Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Philadelphia, the show of Mexico. But mostly, today's show is about the wonderful world of agave, tequila, and mezcal with the legend himself, Mr. David Soar, the owner and proprietor of tequilas in Philadelphia, but also Siembra Spirits. We talk about it all. This is a very inspirational tale. You know, there's not a lot I knew about David in his upbringing and how he started in this industry and how at the end of the day, he is a restaurant owner that loves agave spirits. There's so much to learn here, so much talk of mezcal varietals, so much talk about love, and it is brilliant to share this with you. Really one of the greatest experiences I could have had with a true legend in the agave world. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this chat with David Searle. Still has that, that, you know, that sense of of timeless. Mm-hmm. We can say it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's been there, and and uh, another aspect and another way that I like to approach to these spirits is uh, from a, a historical flavor perspective. You know, it's a, it's a spirit that is still, if you go and and go through. The Dio of Mezcal and yeah. or the other regions that produce agave distilled spirits. I mean, you have flavors; they've been alive and they've been well preserved uh, for centuries. Really, um, you know. I mean, in the case of tequila, that it take a different turn and and and, and evolve in. Sure. You know, it gets it's got scaled more sophisticated sure. yeah. and more efficient, and the, the, the way that we make another wonderful spirit like tequila. Um, but you know, it walk away from the historical and traditional flavors. Right. And then uh, in mezcal, the, you 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 still there. You know, it's the, still the, the, playing the f- in the garage. The flavors, right, you know? the flavors that you taste today. Do you know they were enjoyed by humans yeah. centuries ago? Do you? I imagine with any good thing, it eventually gets larger and it gets more commercially viable. And that is what mezcal is not seen yet, right? Now, we're talking about the layer or the, the phase that we're in is an ap- academic one and a pure passion one now. So mm-hmm. for the most part, with some exceptions, there's a few, mm-hmm. it's still very pure and still very honest industry in that sense, right? That's a big challenge. Yeah. yeah I mean, we see brands that are selling mezcalers at, you know, 20, a little bit above $20 yeah. per liter. Uh, that uh, that for me, there is a lot of question marks sure. in, 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 in those propositions. You know, I, I don't think that mezcal should be put it on that range. Yeah, I don't think that we should um, you know, reward 
centuries of tradition transmitted to us of through producers right, right. and reward them with such a limited uh, sources and so it it is a luxury and it should be priced as such right it, 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 it should be it should be appreciated yeah. in all the meaning of the word and and we have to remember this is uh, the regions where these wonderful forms of liquid art coming from yeah uh, they are from areas that most of them they're in a in a very serious social and economical stress yeah so this is a, a, a an excellent opportunity for communities to uh, finally after centuries of uh, some sort of discrimination Absolutely. social discrimination yeah. and not uh, for us not being able to understand that complex um, message and language yeah. of that mezcal speak to us, but now we start to understand that, that we should be uh, respectful all the way, you know, yeah. you know you, culturally and economically. And I think we it, it's an interesting dichotomy in a way where you have been there, you have lived there, mm-hmm. and you understand that socioeconomic. Mm-hmm. Um, disadvantage disparity whatever it is whether it's a wealth gap or an education gap and i i feel like one of the things that's happening with mezcal will always be great it just Mm -hmm. is inherently you know and there will always be people making wonderful mezcal but it's weird that it it takes and i hate to say it but it takes like a white guy from the west to come down and all of a sudden they're an expert on it and then somehow changes the dialogue in, in this i don't think it really changes anything does it I think that it was, I, I would not say, you know, a, a, a white guy <laughs> get there. And I, I think it's just a wonderful uh, human beings. Yeah. They been, they were able to, you know, translate the secrets and the mysteries of Mezcal yeah. to, to a universal language. I mean, we have lots of mentors yes. and uh, lots of people who are, you know, I, I don't think that is 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 borderless yeah. people that understand, you know, mezcal. I mean, there has been, yes, wonderful projects that they've been, you know, starred by American guys. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I don't care who starred them. Just look at these humans, what they did to the category. See, that's why people love you, David. Because, but, you yeah, know, because you're mean, like, more the merrier as long as it's the right message and people are spreading the love and the passion about I mean, mezcal. if it wasn't for Ron Cooper, you know, right, uh, uh, an amazing human being, uh, and, and, and listen to the stories that he tells you, the how he, how mezcal finds him. Yeah, it, finds we, him. Yeah, yeah. We, we would not have this conversation. <laughs> I mean, that guy was one of the great things that happened to the journey yeah. of mezcal. Um, you know, look at Judah Cooper. I oh, mean, Judah, yeah. unbelievable. That 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 guy. Who would have thought, too, right? Well, you know, that yeah. that guy really, uh, for me, is one of those. Every morning when I wake up and I start to look at, try to, you know, uh, start to make sense. My my brain is. Yeah. Uh, some of the first things that I usually connect is with guys like them. Yeah. You know, oh, who yeah. are doing beautiful things and. It's amazing. You know, what the, he's the, done. the 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 history of Judah, and, you know, the by 
pretty much coincidence. And, and that's right, serendipity. You know, it just like he came across this wonderful woman connected to an amazing family. Yeah, and and now they had this incredible, beautiful daughter. Yeah, that generates such a passion and love for Judah to leave every day yeah. and to bring us the art of his family. It's a and lovely it's just story. Beautiful. I mean, it and is, and I, I gotta, I keep, I hound, I hound him too. You're not mm. the only one that I want to make sure that they capture this stuff because I know, in, in this is one of the things I think is important about chatting with you too is so that people kind of get to know who you are, but Judah, I have to chat with him too. I think people need to know the story too. It's a lovely story. Yeah. And yeah. it's so fortuitous, you know. And, and, and you know, so, so those guys for me, they are, there's no borders for, yeah. for you know for humans point. like that. They're they're it's humans. They're, That's it. They're universal people. Um, but look, people, uh, you know, like Pedro Jimenez in yeah. you know down in Guadalajara that is also take us to another level. You know, he's one of the guys that's showing us uh, a different angles and aspects of agave distilled spirits. Yeah. I mean, that's another person that he has a tremendous influence on me. Mm. You know, he's looking at his work and being able to connect to the people that he's working is is being enlightening. Yeah. You know, uh, Marco Choa in Mexico, in Oaxaca, right, right, in yeah. Escaloteca, uh, you know, in situ, uh, oh, releases, yeah. this is, oh, man. another temple. I mean, those things, those places, that people, I, I, I mean, for me, there is, there is, I don't even care where they're coming from. You're they right, just, you're right, you're they're right. They're just people who are doing tremendous, extraordinary things for the for, for the category of uh, agape spirits. Yeah, the narrative itself. They're shaping yeah. and, and, kind of the, the way that we look at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in the case of another spirits, we have a, a large influence by, you know, a, a well-intentioned marketing strategics that uh, uh, distract the attention from the epicenter of, of, of the spirits that we drink. And right. In the case of mezcal, I think we we all were very engaged. You know, it came at the right moment when people were getting very engaged in, in you know, rums and right. uh, jeans and single malls. And then tequila was already taking huge steps in towards the... Uh, better understanding of yeah. what tequila is, what tequila 100%, what good quality tequilas were. Another guy who, you cannot have a conversation about mezcal or tequila or sotol or bacanora yeah, or yeah. any other spirits like Tomas Estes. You yeah, know? Tomas, yeah. Another guy who also, you know, the guy who probably, you know, it's, it's like this, guys who were born in the, the in the wrong side of the border <laughs> you know because but their hearts were truly <laughs> truly mexican you know but <laughs> but uh but you know there's that's, another that's, guy. Good. that's a great way to put, uh, maybe yeah. that's what it is maybe we were just born into the wrong body yeah it's very possible you know, you know? yeah these mexican guys they born sometimes in the wrong place you know <laughs> yeah, wrong uh, place wrong yeah. time right <laughs> no they, you know they're they're mexicans but they born in the wrong you know country but, <laughs> yeah. but uh, you know there's there's another guy and then you have also guys who are still who set up 
very, very high standards in, in tequila, like Carlos Camarena, yeah, you know, yeah. Fernando Gonzalez, they are always been saying openly, and I'm very proud to say that I consider those guys my mentors. Yeah, oh yeah. And so they, you know, that people, you know, they keep raising the bar to the level that uh, we all follow them. Yeah. And well, it's got to be someone doing that. They've got to be the lead, the innovators, you know. And and there is the mezcal category, you know, who who boom, you know, it was bring to the most influential market in the world, mm -hmm. a market to set up trends, and and so it was a very good foundation in this process for the last fifteen years that we've going twenty Incredible. years. So, so yeah. the question then becomes because we in the industry and myself obviously included. I know of you as a prophet of mezcal, a prophet of agave in a sense, but I imagine it didn't start out that way. So where where are you from? Where did you grow up? I'm from Guadalajara. Uh, okay. You know, like ground zero for yeah. tequila. Yeah. So it's in the air. You can uh, smell yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was born and raised in Guadalajara, and um, yeah, that's 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 home. Yeah. yeah. How How is it? Any siblings? Uh, no, no. Only, the only, really? I was the only child. Yeah, the, that's gotta be child. good. You can get away with some stuff, I imagine. Uh, or I have all the the the, the weight of the law from the home. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. And I grew up with a very uh, amazing mother. Yeah, that it was uh, very very disciplinary in every minute of the war. So, but yeah. that's good though. Oh, that was wonderful. Yeah, it's gotta <laughs> be. Yes. Were you living in a, a an urbane kind of area or more out in the country? No, no, no. It was urban, hundred yeah. percent urban. And I born in in the Colonia Independencia, which okay. is you know well the uh, suburbs of not suburbs. I mean, well the neighborhoods in the city, an yeah. old traditional neighborhood. And and you know my adolescent life, I it was in in the uh, we move to Colonia Ladron de Guevara, which was a relatively new area of the city when mm -hmm. I was uh, like eight years old okay, when I moved yeah. there. And, and I grew up there, yeah. What kind of things were you, you doing? To Were you just working? Were you studying? What kinds of I things were you studying, interested in? I was studying and working. I started to work at a very young age. What kind of stuff were you doing? Uh, the, first, the first job that I had, serious job, well, I don't know how serious it was, but but I was <laughs> you I was showed getting, up, right? I was getting in a, I was in a payroll. Yeah, oh, there you go. But yeah. I was a little kid. I was working on a travel agency as an office really? boy. Really? Yeah, I remember what? that. I, <laughs> I went to Disneyland. My mom sent me to Disneyland. And, really? And the uh, travel agency, the owners of the travel agency, for some reason, they liked this little kid who was going to Disneyland. And <laughs> see, you're in marketing at a young and age. I, and, I, and I asked them for a job. So yeah. it was a summer job that it was wonderful. It was a great experience. I was probably like 12 years old, 13 really? years old. Yeah, That's amazing. Did you get to and travel more than the... No, no. no. That's so pretty good. I, I, I traveled through the office from yeah. desk to desk. You know, I was an <laughs> office boy, but I did some... You know, jobs outside of the office, but I, no, that was that was a very good first job that I I, I dearly remember. Yeah, and then I worked for a a, a, a friend of mine. He was in the uh, clothing business. Okay, uh, and then they started to work in a bank. Okay, I was working 
you know, in, 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 the Cateller? Banco Refaccionario de Jalisco. No, I was in charge on that. I was not in charge, not even close to in charge. <laughs> I was a very young kid working in the department of uh, remesas. I don't even, I have a clue how to translate that. What yeah, the department, what but uh, we were we were receiving all the checks mm -hmm. in the in the main office of the bank and we were returning those checks back to the offices where they oh, were okay. coming from. And then I started working in a chemical company who is um, a very diverse chemical company who make products from uh, the automobile, aviation, and food industry. Because, of course, you know, rocket fuel is right next to ranch dressing, right? Like it's all <laughs> the same stuff. And then, you know, boom, that was then the migration process began. Yeah. I, I moved from Guadalajara. Uh, to Cancun. Cancun. How old were you when you moved? Back in 1982, 83, I was very young. I was like 20 years old. Was a, Is university kind of the common path there? No, no. That was uh, just like a kid run, away, fun, run yeah. away from home. And, uh, yeah. you know, was I, it for a girl? It's always for a girl, isn't uh, it? In a way, <laughs> running away from one. Ah, even better. Uh, uh, broken heart. Oh, uh, man. And, um, you know, land in Cancun, when Cancun was pretty much, a, 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 yes, a little thought in the Caribbean, mm -hmm. when it was true paradise, it was not much going on in Cancun, a lot of, a lot of you know, virgin <laughs> beaches there. Yeah. That it was it's a good not, place to clear your head, hopefully, I was, right? It was just beautiful, and I have the fortune to start to work for a, a very, very good restaurant program uh, Carlos and Charlie's. Okay. That was a big restaurant chain owned by a remarkable restaurateur, uh, Carlos Anderson. Mm -hmm. He was a Mexican guy. Um, and, you know, he ran a very tight operation in yeah. about 25 cities. Really? In all over Mexico and Brazil, Spain, and LA. Oh, wow. Huge. Huge operation running by one guy. One guy. And is I hate to say it, but is it Mexican food? Is it American it was, food? Or? It was a crazy concept. It was uh, every restaurant, whatever. If you were in Mexico City, it was a Mexico City type of influence on the yeah. menu. But some, you know, signature dishes on the whole chain. Very international food, but uh, if you go in Cancun, we have a lot of food from Yucatan. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, every region wherever the restaurant was, they have, they emphasize on the region. It was a, just a... That's, that's actually a, pretty ahead of its time if you it, think it was, about it. He, he created a lot of restaurateurs. Yeah. I mean, for me, that was my alma mater. What were you well, doing for them? Uh, I start, you know... As doing the same stuff? As cleaning floors yeah. and, you know, like if I have a tourist have an accident on the bathroom. Right, right. I was going there and cleaning. You got to start somewhere, right? Busboy and yeah. then waiter and, you know, a little bit of a manager there. And then, boom, the next migration. That's when, uh, you know, I was dating a beautiful lady from Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. That um, you, we, you met her in Cancun? I met in Cancun, yeah. yeah. And we were there for a little bit. And then... Um, when we were expecting our first son, yeah. David, uh, we went to Philadelphia, but with all the intentions to go back to Cancun yeah. after well, after, after the baby born. 
Yeah, I was doing very well, especially for a 23-year-old kid that yeah. was making more money than a... Than you knew how to my, my My very old friends were already doctors and architects and engineers. I was oh, making really? more money. I'm no kidding. You know, so, uh, but no, thanks God, we decided to stay in Philly. Uh, and uh, was she from? So I know she's, she's from, from Philadelphia. Did she grow yeah, up in Philadelphia? She grew up in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. cool. So, uh, Southwest Philly girl. Oh you know, wow, she's a beautiful lady. And um, we were married for like, twenty-five years. Wow. Uh, we separate. Yeah. Uh, not too long ago, well, about six years ago, and uh, we're still great friends. That's we're great. still uh, very involved in the. Business. And, what was uh, she she doing? What she do for a living when you were moving out there? Uh, well, back then she was uh, working for American Airlines. Oh, okay. <laughs> was she a stewardess? Uh, no, she was working in the office oh, in okay, Philadelphia and okay. in, in, in the airport. So she has the opportunity to go back and forth to Cancun. Oh, you know, this makes sometimes, sense now. Yeah, sometimes twice a week. You wow, know? that was that was the good old years when uh, people from the airlines can fly Just us. fly wherever. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was it was great times, and 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 it's still a great relationship. Yeah. What it was so when, so you moved so you moved to Philly. We moved you're, to Philly. You said you're 23 then. I was yeah 23 ish. And um, what were you doing? So did you hit the industry? So when again? I when I moved there, and you know the plan was to go back to right, Mexico, right, right. but I say okay, being here, so I went to see what the restaurant industry is all about. It. Mm -hmm. I want to get more experience working in sure. here and. Uh, Practice my English that it was just pretty much a very basic, you know, are you finished? You like yeah. another drink? You know, <laughs> the, 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 the vocabulary of That's a, all you any need, server. Right? Yeah. yeah. And um, we decided to, you know, explore the possibilities to open our own restaurant. Really? And um, yeah, you know, I, I met these very cool people um, from uh, an organization that, uh, they were focused to help to develop minority projects. Right, okay, okay. That's funny because I don't have a idea what a minority means. I guess know? the guy <laughs> in the room that there's less of? Is I, <laughs> I, I thought, I said, why are they going minority? I told her they're all these dudes. You yeah, know? yeah. I told Mexican guys. So. Uh, but these guys, they were unbelievable. They, they give me an incredible support. They, yeah. they really help to develop a business plan that I present to them. They, they fall in love with the business plan. And there we go. We start to work and we took about a year, you know, to finally, uh, you know, after being rejected a hundred times, because you can imagine, you know, a young kid, right. no credit record, no nothing. Nothing. A young wife, a kid that just born, right. nothing. They won't take you seriously, will they? Obviously no. But but again, you know, the people that I was working with it, They're pushing you know, for you. The They're rooting for you. Israel Colon, Danny Rodriguez. Um you know, these guys they were just amazing and they don't give up and they don't let me give up. I was working as a server, yeah. you know, in the meantime that we were putting together this project and finally my ex father in law, George Cipolloni, he one day he looked at me and he said, You know, David, that you really know what you're doing and I say, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we, he said, you know, I don't have the money, but I can sign for you guys. Co oh, there so you go. So he co-signed, yeah. and we get a, uh, well, in terms of today, it was a small loan, but yeah. back then it was a humongous a loan. We were able to take over the restaurant where I was waiting tables. Really? Was that, so the, had you, was that the plan? Or the it plan just became was, the, the plan? plan? The project was uh, uh, developed around 
the business plan, it was focused in a location that it was around the corner from this restaurant where right, I was right. working. So when the owner looked that I was serious about doing this project, he said, you know what? I'm done in Philadelphia. I anyway. want to move. I want to get out. And, you know, Harry Shapiro, he, he decided to sell the restaurant to me. He moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Now he's extremely successful restaurant and bed and breakfast yeah. type of that's business. what they do out there, I hear. So, 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 so he he left Philly. I stay with the restaurant, and thirty years later, you know, I'm. Well, You've been operating it. We've been operating for thirty years. Yeah, that's incredible. So, yeah, and um, you did, that's kind of like where this whole deal with Agave Spirits really begin because. Um, um, well, the I, name of it, right? The name I mean, of yeah, it, you know, the simple. name of the restaurant for me was a complete different meaning, you know, the word tequilas, mm -hmm. that what I soon realized that the meaning for most of my potential customer had. Yeah, well, tequilas, explain to me that, yeah, explain to that difference. Well, you know, tequilas, tequilas, it was a synonymous of something pretty bad. Well, sure. Know? Back in Shirts are coming off and people showing by, their breath. Back yeah. in 1986 in the Northeast, oh, yeah. it was absolutely nothing related to the to the name, to the word tequilas, then hangovers, right, and right. casual, cheap, lime, salt, shots, goofy stuff. <laughs> Irresponsibility. So <laughs> a, a lot of the people don't even want to walk into the restaurant because they thought it was this uh, cheap dive bar mm -hmm. because the name. And, you know, we have a pretty strong food program. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we, we brought uh, chefs, that they were the a lot of restaurants in Mexico were jealous about our that you were able to. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah, Clemente Gonzalez, which was a executive chef of a very a five star hotel in Guadalajara. Wow, he agreed to move to come with me. Did, it was a friend of yours, or just, no, no, just no, 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 no. They said it was a, it's a long story, sure. but uh, but the uh, then Adán Navarrete, which was the uh, chef. From Camino Real, Guadalajara, you know, a specialty, the special, specialities uh, restaurant. Yeah. You know, the, uh, it was a quite serious uh, food program, especially for Philadelphia yeah. in 1996. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 1986. Did you have a, sp I mean, obviously you had some say in what that program was going to be like, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I, 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 your vision, your I was, focus in doing the right thing. I yeah. mean, I, I do have, I was already with a very strong restaurant foundation because, uh, again, my alma mater, right. Carlos Anderson, that I had the fortune to work with him, um, it, it was a very clear vision of what I want. And, and, and you know, the, the a lot of people, when we were putting together the project, it's like, you know, you're not going to sell chimichangas and fajitas. I right. say, no. Say, but that's what the Americans want. I say, no. You I work in Cancun for four years before I came here. And 95% of the people that we serve in the restaurant were tourists. Sure, absolutely. And everybody, 90, 95% of that 95% <laughs> of tourists, they were asking for fajitas, chimichangas. Stuff they knew that they were They knew. With. And we say, you know, I remember, we don't even know what they were talking about yeah. because that's we don't know that food. So... We offered what was available, you yeah. know, the dishes that were available on the restaurant. And 
they were very impressed with the flavors of real Mexican food. Yeah. I mean, and, and I say, you know, if we do that in Cancun, we can do that in Philadelphia. Sure. So we, I was very, you know, focused and determined to, to do exactly the same uh, authenticity and, and to bring, to elevate the culinary, yeah. you know, proposition to as much as I can. I mean, and, and for 30 years, that, that means you've been doing probably yeah. bold and innovative stuff to keep people's attention for that whole time. Well, believe it or not, we have regulars. They've been in the restaurant for 30 years. Wow. That they eat only one dish, and they don't want to try nothing different. <laughs> but but we want to do different things. Right, so right. we are, you know, the uh, it's a double sword. The, the, the having a restaurant that is that old, right. it gives you, you compromise a lot because you have a lot of regulars. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our regulars, they don't want changes. They want, you know, the same, same thing dishes, that they've had that. for 30 years. So what we're doing, we have about 25, 30% of our menu fluctuates, you know, with new dishes. Right, okay. With things that we want to keep up to date with what is going on right now in the Mexican propositions, yeah. culinary propositions, which is wonderful, you know, the amazing. What Would, would you say there's a, a very it's common thread innovation. right now? It's an innovation. It's evolution of Mexican food. Yeah. You know. Mexican food, if you see through history, is a constant evolution. But I think, you know, the 20th century, kind of like dorm, you know, and yeah. it was sitting on a beautiful dishes, a traditional dishes, uh, you know, the mole poblano, the pipianes, oh, the, yeah. the tortillas. I mean, it, it, a, a wonderful dishes, but I think we slowed down the process of evolution that historically we see in Mexican food, you know, mm -hmm. with all these culturals that influence, deeply influence Mexican food from pre-Columbian to the, the colonial times and the European influences and the revolution time right. and, but but i don't think that the the process of evolution in mexican food during 20th century and the beginning of the 21st century mm -hmm. was fast enough and and, and 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 offering all the potential that the, the very talented Wh people why do you that think that is why do you think it, it got stunted I, don't a bit? I think we find a comfort zone or something but yeah. we were getting very bored you yeah, know yeah and the projects that i see right now in both sides of the border they're just un incredible i mean you have chefs in uh, look what's going on in new york city oh yeah yeah uh, i mean you know the uh chef from cosme mm -hmm. um she just don't have the best restaurant in New York City, uh, you know, because it's, it's the best Mexican, the best restaurant in New York City right yeah. now happens to be Mexican, Mexican yeah. happens to be run by an amazing lady that is now just was recognized as the chef of the year by the James Beard Foundation. It's Mexican food, and the innovation in her menu is just amazing yeah the creativity yeah and her name just went man daniela soto mm. she was and she started her you know her rising level the platform was here in texas you know? really yeah she worked at uh under valley in oh in houston, houston. i yeah. didn't know that okay yeah so 
she's a great example yeah absolutely of, of, of where so it, mexican is here it's look it's looking up very very innovative it's coming up and it's yeah. moving quickly and i think a, a good cuisine it has to be a cuisine that is capable to evolve yeah within the parameters where you keep connected with your traditions your cultures your techniques your ingredients but it's always room for innovation and, absolutely yeah, so. it's in the spirit side well yeah. so I mean, it, it isn't a huge surprise that these flavors, which are so rich in Mexican cuisine, mm-hmm. that they would spin into what is another kind of a facet of flavor, which is alcohol. Because alcohol has flavor, but you, you talk, let's go back to what that, that you have the stereotype about what people feel tequila tastes like. And it, tequila, the mainstream tequila that people are shooting and liming and salting, like that doesn't really taste like much. So yeah. you got to strive for more. You have to look for things that are delicious. Like yeah, that. but you know what? For me, it was more than just the juice, more than the spirit. It was the entire package. Yeah. The, 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 the whole concept of the culture of tequila. Yeah. I mean, when, when, I, when I was, you know, looking at faces... They were throwing, you know, the looks that people was giving to me when I offered tequila in the restaurant. It was mm-hmm. like if I was cursing to them, you know, like I don't drink that right, stuff. Right, right. I don't. I say, you know, it's like a no. moonshine almost. Say, people think no, 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 no. We should do better than this. Yeah. And that really was the main incentive for me to start to search for some tools, some ways that can help me to change those misconceptions right and uh, so had you had because i think about it, it, it did you see the problem first or had you both seen the problem and tasted something that was it was a amazing? cultural crash for me i mean like like really when i see that that you know the 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 name of the restaurant was not working good at all yeah. because what he the, the 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 cognotation right right and when i see the irreverence to uh, our most emblematic spirit of Mexico. Yeah. I say no. This is we we can do better than yeah, this. And, absolutely. And, and then is when I start to search for and begging for knowledge. You know, I, I how do you how do you do that in the nineties? Like, how do you get well, knowledge? You know, in? there was a very good mentors. You know, and I approached Julio Gonzalez, mm-hmm. Don Julio. You know, the, yeah. the original owner of Don Julio. From Casa Tres Magueyes. I remember that he used to make a tequila that was just incredible. Um, yeah, Tres Magueyes Reserva de la Casa was the name. Uh, and evolved in what we know today as Don Julio. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, that was the, the, the very honest, beautiful expression of the man, the Don Julio. He allowed me to, to walk the path of, of, of a start to get really close to tequila yeah. under his wing you know i mean the, i was very lucky was he uh, was he i imagine that the people that were doing it in an honest and a pure and a delicious way mm-hmm. wanted mm-hmm. people to be able to see that they'd also want to change the the connotation of tequila right of course so, so you come in and you're probably well, i asked you. him i i was i started travel there and then i met don felipe camarena you know mm. carlos camarena's father and carlos yeah and um, he also, you know, uh, let me get under his wing, which was a bless for me. Yeah, uh, I he's met, busy now. <laughs> I met um, I met Fernando Gonzalez from Siete Leguas also mm-hmm. that uh, allowed me to get in, in into the um, 
uh, approach closer to, to right. tequila. And, you know, the first distillery that I ever visited was also from the Rosales family. Mr. Rosales, it was the first distillery that I, that, that I always, that I first step in. Yeah. In Cascawin, which is the distillery that I work with right now. That's so crazy. What did you what did you think when you walked in there? Like, or rather, what was your expectations? Did you have any idea how this stuff was made? I, I, I more than no idea. I, I was very intrigued. Yeah, you know, and because I, I, I was honestly, you know, um, you know, admire yeah. this spirit and from afar, right? Because. You yeah, were, but but then when you start to see, I mean, when I opened the restaurant, it's a liquor uh, state control. Uh, uh, yes, know. yeah. So we have only five tequilas available. That's crazy. And, and it was not the more, you know. Yeah, that's a larger problem. Yeah, right? that was yeah. a big problem. But you know, I start. I remember I used to get ten bottles in my yeah. suitcase and bring it to the restaurant and keep them behind the bar and right. tasting my <laughs> yeah. friends and creating that the buzz, you know, right? The buzz, yeah. And um, so, you know, I also knocked the academic doors. I, I looked for the very few books that were available out there to, they, they talk about tequila. Yeah. What, then, what were you seeking? to? So you're there, you're in the distillers, you can smell it, you can taste it. But the academic side of it. The academic side, well, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm always been, uh, history freak I, yeah. I enjoy history very much and when you start to dig into the history of the region the mm -hmm. history of the origins of tequila and, and it's fascinating you know because again it's not just the spirit but right. it's the people yeah it's also it's a spirit. currency for it's things the families is the evolution of the regions is the the origins of this so there is rogelio luna zamora i remember you know a, a sociologist from the university of guadalajara yeah to put together an amazing you know, research work. And um, it, it was the first academic to really start to accumulate a lot of, put together a lot of archives. They were dispersed all over the the the, the category. So and when you say archive, because I want to make sure I'm clear, are we talking about uh, academic archives or actual physical samples both, and archives? Both. He oh, was, my gosh. He had access to the South, uh, to the old South, um, you know the the real the vault the, the part the patriarch of the um, uh, of, of the salsa wow family he has some documents and he was studied those documents he was tracing those documents yeah you know, then so he he put together a very interesting information in a book um, then we have Salvador uh, Salvador Gonzalez he also uh, Salvador Gutierrez, I'm sorry. Salvador Gutierrez Gonzalez. He also put together an amazing tequila book, but it was focused on technical aspects technical. of tequila. Okay, yeah. like the uh, production uh, and mitos, mitos y realidades del tequila. A beautiful work, a beautiful academic work uh, by a chemical engineer yeah. that is also very, very into history. Mm -hmm. So he put together an amazing, amazing work that uh, it really marked my life in the tequila world. I mean, yeah. I, I understand tequila from a, I see from a different angle. So well, you've got, but I feel I was very lucky. Yeah, if you've got both, I mean, right. if you, if this was a curriculum, you've basically earned a PhD in this because you're looking at it in both sides. I was I was reading, 
you know, and 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 I take an airplane and go to a distillery yeah. to 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 look, you know, live. Yeah, yeah. You know what that book was telling me, and it was yes, it was there. It's like another it's like <laughs> another very interesting book that uh, is it was it have a tremendous influence on me. It was the the book of tequila mm. by Bob Emmons. Okay, okay. That is, uh, I think you can find those books in eBay or somewhere. So, so they're the used market. You can get them maybe. But uh, this guy, there was an American guy. Yeah, who, I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, you're yeah. familiar oh, with yeah, that yeah. book. You know, he did an incredible research on almost visit every single distillery that was open. Yeah. Back in the eighties. Wow. In the uh, before the, the the big tequila boom, he was already. There know, on the ground. So it gives a lot of information. So it was, you know, the more you read and the more you travel there and the more you taste it, the more you, you know, understand the the angles that I was able to see thanks to these giants, yeah. producers and, uh, and professors. So but the, the question then I think for me becomes, all right, good. So you, you're becoming an absolute expert on this. You're sharing some bottles, creating some buzz. But what does this all add up to? How can it allow you to change the dialogue in the states? Respect yeah. to the people, to the process, to the history. Yeah, I mean, you you start to see the uh, true world of tequila, uh, and for me, it was just respect. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's when I I, I gained you know all my respect to these producers, to these academics. And to the category, you know. But again, not just the tequila himself, the juice that we seep and we enjoy, right. but the surroundings, all the surroundings. Yeah, you're a you fan know, of it. Is and I'm part of it. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm uh, culturally, I'm I'm belong to that tequila. Absolutely, you know? yeah, absolutely. I belong to that, and I feel very proud of it. I'm very lucky. Yeah. So. But you does know. that turn? So I guess the, so. I we know about the the labels, which we'll talk about in a second. That you started, but were you able to bring some of those brands into the states? Did you encourage others to bring these things that you had seen? No, no. I was. I mean, those guys. They were, you know, when when the late nineteen nineties, early yeah. two thousand. You know, the 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 big bang right. of of tequila, real tequila happens. I mean, those guys. They were already in you know with experts on yeah. the uh importation okay. of spirits good, good. i still was fully engaged on the operation of the restaurant I, uh, I was looking you know back in 2000 and i started around 2000 to get serious about the possibility to create a tool right that it happened the, the, then it was known as siembra spirits uh-huh. for me it was a, it was a tool a tool that allowed me to approach to the consumers and talk my vision of right. tequila, you know, uh, share with people all the years that I was already accumulating through, you know, my career. Right, right. My but you're paying years. it forward is what you're doing. I really want to send the message and to communicate the message to my colleagues in the industry, mm -hmm. in the restaurant industry, and to consumers, so that was that was a beautiful, <coughs> beautiful me. process. And uh, which is so? When did you say you founded Siembra Spirits? 
I mean, we launched in 2005. 2005, but, okay. I mean, it was years of preparation. Oh, of course. It yeah. was it was years of preparation and 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 study and 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 guts, you know, because know. Well, was, money was, too, right? It was very, 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 very expensive. <laughs> so. That's the other part of it. And so, were, was this when the first tequilas were released, the Siembra Azul, or was that Siembra Azul was the launching uh, expression, but always with the idea to do, you know, I'm 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 very driven yeah uh, that's that's just the way I see it and so the the whole idea was to bring and celebrate the diversity of the tequila tequas right, and the right. agave spirits tequas so we start with with siembra azul on the highlands but uh, then you know I approached to the Rosales family which mm-hmm. was one of my first well, my first contact the place with you the real into, tequila right? world. Yeah. and uh, we brought the uh, Bayes expression, mm-hmm. so, which is a great. They're very, very different, you know. Thanks God. Yeah. yeah. Just imagine if they were the same. It was very <laughs> boring, but and and useless. But you know that's and that's why I love this. Uh, that you know this this part of the project where yeah. where we can taste at complete different spirits, but within the parameters of 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 quality and 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 you know very. Terroir driven, great ambassadors of the terroirs where they belong. Right. And again, it's 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 not to compete one with the other. I don't want to confront those two expressions. Right. I want to celebrate the different colors, different shades, and the, right? and the diversity of yeah. flavors that a category like tequila offer to us. So the the spirits themselves, not the spirits themselves, but this venture, you are still very entrenched with the restaurant, I imagine, and still oh, very yeah, involved with operations. That's in the blood. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I want to get out of it, I can't. You yeah. Know? Like for example, I left Philadelphia on Sunday. Yeah. Today is what Wednesday. Uh-huh. I'm already missed my apron. You oh know? no! I I can't. I <laughs> the can't way that it holds you close, right? You <laughs> kidding me? I mean, yeah. you, you you are in an environment where you are, you know, surrounded by people who are celebrating birthdays, graduations, yeah. anniversaries. It's a very positive vibe. It is. It's in a, a restaurant. You know, very I'm, very with, uh, gregarious and just light. It's it's good. And, and and I'm probably the, the luckiest restaurateur in the world because I'm surrounded by incredible co-workers yeah. who are make me be able to do this part of my everyday activities. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't for the support of Oscar Serrano, the general manager, David Suro Jr., mm-hmm. Dino Rosario's operations manager, Luis Tuz, an incredible restaurateur also. Uh, Claudio Soto, the chef. I mean, we are 50 people on the crew. Yeah. I, I don't want to. And you uh, miss them. Uh, I miss them. You, know, <laughs> you miss it? You I, miss I, miss, them. I miss Manuel Lopez, which is uh, one of my you know, co-workers. We've been working together for 18 years. Yeah. Uh, Vincent Martinez, man, that's my brother. He... We start to work when I opened the restaurant. We've been working like together since we opened the restaurant. Really? And, you know, it's one of the fastest, more accurate bartenders in the Northeast. No kidding. You know, this, this, this guy is pretty amazing. Well, so you have, so think about it now. So now you, you've expanded things out. You've got a family. You have a son. You've got a restaurant that you're deeply entrenched in. I have a you grandson. Also, and then you have a grandson. <laughs> I'm a abuelo already. <laughs> and then you have these spirits. You have this portfolio. So... I mean, it sounds pretty easy for me to to feel like how how you'd answer this question. But if someone came to you 
And so, you know, you have the amazing Highland Lowlands. You have the Metal, the Mescals with Emilio. You have the Extra Nejo, I think, as well. If someone came to you and said, David, I really want to buy this portfolio. No. Not, wouldn't do it? No. The it's answer, yours? the short and quick <clears throat> and out of the question. Yeah. No. No, this is not a money stuff. Yeah. There's a, it, there is no money that can buy, you know, the feeling yeah. of looking at a young bartender in the middle of Arkansas or San Francisco sure. or New York and look at you and say, you know, I want to do that stuff. I want to taste that. I want to I wanna promote that culture. Mm-hmm. That That is no money involved there. I mean, I don't do this for money. You know, the, the restaurant is extremely generous and, 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 and extremely, I mean, he, the restaurant is, usually restaurants are very yellow business. Yeah. You know, they, and, and at this point and after all these years, I've been able to, to walk away and maintain a very tight, beautiful operation, and um, and 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 it gives the economical support that I need for my family. Yeah, Siembra uh, Spirits. I mean, it's, it's it's not a money thing. You know, I, I it's a passion thing, a love a, thing, right? It's a rewarding thing for that goes beyond money. Yeah. So, no, I, I don't even cross my mind. I'm glad to hear that. And you know, and I have an incredible friend and and coworker, uh, Maria Cisneros, mm-hmm. that is uh, the person who really runs this ship. Yeah, you know, she's the person in charge of the project. That uh, uh, you know, uh, she's not ready to sell this. Yeah. She, she, she's still she there. Needs a challenge, and she's going to be if if Siembra Spears is going to be sold out these days. You're gonna have to talk to her because yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna be around. Yeah. Okay. Or I'm gonna be already retired. Right. You know, seeking for new mezcales for my personal <laughs> consumption. You're gonna, you're gonna keep bottling mezcals and releasing them as long as but, you live. But, uh, but you know, Maria Cisneros is is a, a person who uh, really will have the last word in these things when I'm not around. Yeah. Active. And uh, my wife, you know, Marite also, I don't think that she is looking for selling this business. I she's think looking she's, for you. She just wants to spend time with you. And right? and, and, and she's now, you know, <clears throat> if it became kind of like a expert on tequila. I mean, yeah. She's my inseparable friend yeah. and company that uh, travels with me, supports me. That's and, amazing. And, and supports a lot of us. <clears throat> You know, a lot of the, the, the people in the industry, they, they call Mama Marite. Yeah. The producers are have a high respect for her. Now, this is, we're here for a long It's a ride. family affair yeah. now. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So you, one other thing I think that's really important to, to chat about. So so one, let's let's talk to the portfolio real quick because we talked about the Sembra Azul, the, the Highland which is the, the first Blanco, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got the Vias, which mm-hmm. is the Lowland, which is lovely. And then you have the Overproof, mm-hmm. right? Which is good and nice and another way to, to experience that. And then you have the Añejo mm-hmm. and then the Extra Añejo. Eh, añejos and Extra Añejos. You, you can ask the S at the end. Ah, okay. It's a plural. Yeah. Ah, yeah. The family is getting big, you know? Yeah. And, and I think the family is growing in a very fun way, you know? It's... It's a lot of siblings and the family, and and uh, we are. I don't think that this category. I mean, 
we have at least five different type of tequilas in yeah. the category, technically speaking. Right. I right. mean, we have 10 different type of tequilas. Wow. Technically speaking. Yeah. You know, we have Blancos, Joven, yeah. Reposado, Añejo, and Extra Añejo. Five of those are mixtos. Ah. And other five are 100%. So we have 10 different classes of tequila yeah, in two amazing. groups, right? Okay. Yeah. But I obviously, mixtos are out of the question. Right. That's right. not even, never has been uh, ever a little thought about sure. getting into the mixto niche. But uh, so it's, it's five different classes of tequila. Mm. Now, we have one of the largest denominations of origin in the world. Okay, we have five states of the republic. But yeah. Just let's focus just in Jalisco. You have production areas that go from sea level to up to 8,000 feet above sea level. That's insane. Um, probably you can find thousands of ecosystems of microclimates, mm. therefore, terroirs. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, there is so much room to go and explore and experiment. So right now, that's what we're doing. You yeah. know, producers, I mean, the Rosales family, they, we've been having a ball. Yeah. You know, so like, let's try this doing, this way. Let's do it this other yeah, way. Right? Yeah. I mean, you know, the sky is the There's limit. no rules for you, right? Like you, because this isn't a money-making endeavor, or at least it's not the main reason it's you're no doing it. It's no compromise. Yeah. Then you can do whatever you want because you're going to do, do it, it the way. And, and yeah. I think we're doing things, you know, where where we feel very comfortable and yeah. we feel that it's, it will be challenging for us. I'm going to put my, my hat of restaurateur. I like to see propositions on the agave spirits category as what I do it. Yeah. You know, bring me a tequila that is aged in a barrel program that is not typical. You yeah. know I mean, yeah, all yeah. our age program is in proprietary oak yeah. barrels. We don't we don't use any used barrels. We we want to continue to experiment in our aging program, mm -hmm. let's talk about getting, you know, high proofs. Yeah, oh we yeah. had the bias high proof that for me is a beautiful. I love it. Beautiful it's more expression. texture than you can ever get out of it. Um, get it into you know the uh, resting. Yeah. The blancos. Mm -hmm. You know, let's give them time to stabilize, which is what we do with the high proof. Yeah. Why not we bring back the Beautiful demijohns, the glass demijohns. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get neutral material to let the tequilas rest. Yeah. Not age. Just rest. Rest. Yeah. The way you say rest is very, uh, it's very peaceful. <laughs> it, it, and, and, I, and, and that's what the spirits need, yeah. you know, in order to stabilize. And, and if you give them time, remember, one of the characteristics of the agave spirits one thing that it goes hand to hand from begin to end is time. Yeah. Is rest. Is you have to give the agaves time to develop. You know, mm -hmm. it's not a it's not a product that is gonna be every year. You have plenty. You had right. No, you know, you have agaves that go from minimum of five years to up to forty five forty five years. Wow. Time is a big part of the agave spirits. Yeah. Produce these spirits 
from that incredible raw material, you need time. You cannot rush process. To enjoy them, you need time. Yeah. You have to take your time to enjoy this. And maybe that's why the restaurants worked for so long, is that you're taking time. time. You're taking that patience. Damn it, but that's too long, <laughs> 30 years. You know. It is a long time. It went yeah. like that, too. It went like that. Yeah. Well, so the other thing besides a restaurateur, besides a importer and aficionado and expert, an academic expert um, on agave, you also were, are you one of the principal founders of the Tequila Interchange? project or this is if it has an air of your academic pursuit in trying to educate even further with the agave yeah you know we were a couple of friends of mine we were sitting one night on the restaurant and table 13 and um, Uh (laughs) we were trying to figure out how we can create a positive impact on the industry Mm -hmm. you know how to get you know the best that we can to help the category, to help the category to develop in the best possible way, you mm-hmm. know, that creating some sort of like check and balance, yeah. you know, because uh, I don't think there was um, enough voices uh, to raising their hands and ask questions to, to uh, an industry that is changing, you yeah. know. There is 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 a global times where um, brings beautiful, beautiful opportunities and also big challenges. A lot, oh yeah. So I I, I think that it was a, a, a desperate need for a voice. Yeah, and that cannot be the voice of one or two people who are have probably the best intentions. Right. That was a voice that it has to be made out of many voices. Sure. A community. A community. And uh, so there you go. You know, after, you know, quite a few siembra azules, blancos, <laughs> you know, and and um, uh, we say, you know, we, we, we should start to get together all my mentors, yeah. you know, so get all my professors, so get all those guys who they really know what they're talking about, and uh, introduce them to all these amazing, young, dynamic, smart guys yeah. who love our spirits, and put them together and create that voice. Yeah. So that was the concept, and that's what it is. You know, we we invite an amazing professors to help us to understand better the industry, to analyze. The challenges, and 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 the and the very positive things. Right. So that's how the Tequila Interchange Project came about. Came about, you know, getting getting these people and unify the voice and go and knock the door of of the big companies who are doing wonderful things, mm-hmm. but they also have to listen to what the industry has to say. Right. So. Well, now, now that there's, in a, sen- in a sense, a watchdog, they kind of need to start paying attention because it exactly. felt like a, for a long time exactly. that industry could work without exactly. any bounds, right? Exactly. So, so that's, that, that was the origins and that was the, the thought of creating this group. And, right. uh, you know, this group, obviously, that, you know, it became a, a, a common ground for a lot of people who were 
looking for direction on you know in in information sure. and uh, we started to create these you know trips uh, an academic trip yeah know, because and I mean, it was everybody think that we were going down there to have parties and drinking and no 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 you know to the, learn and to it's a high very disciplinary uh, schedule yeah. and try to take advantage every minute that we with such a brilliant guys yeah. professors and we were looking small producers medium-sized producers you know, small producers. All of it. So you want you want it to be com comprehensive. The, the regulatory right? council, yeah. the tequila chamber of commerce. Uh, we start to interact with bartenders yeah. from down there. So try to take as much as we we take and give. Yeah. So yeah, that's it, it's a very cool. It's a very cool initiative. It's a very cool committee. I mean, there's many different ways to refer to it, especially in a time where you think about it, the disp disparity with like the current political climate of the states. Right. Mm -hmm. It's nice to see people working together to expose ethical or unethical doings. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen, at least in the the brief amount of time I've been in this industry, what pales in comparison to your 30 years. But the TIP has done an amazing job of education and awareness about what is yet another assail on Mescal, particularly with mm -hmm. Gnome 199, is that right? And yeah, you guys yeah. have done a lot of socialization. I spoke with Misty recently, and that was mm -hmm. a great conversation. We yeah. got to know more about this communal topic. And where do you, do you think, I, it doesn't even, we don't even have to get into how you feel about it, but do you think Mescal will survive? Well, mezcal as as a do is not going to suffer that for yeah. that. I mean, that's that's not the target. Um, it's the other the, guys making things that is you know. Let's let's put it just like the whole perspective, because you know the norm one ninety nine is a quite complicated and confusing and ambiguous uh, intentionally I'm sure intentionally yeah. done and they did a very good job the guys who are behind this yeah uh, but uh, traditionally and historically uh, we have production of agave distilled spirits mm -hmm. in at least 22 states of the republic yeah okay um, the Dio of Mezcal, uh, even if it's the largest denomination of origin in the world, mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> in the world, there yeah. is no other denomination of origin in the entire world that embraces such a vast geographical area. Wow, okay. okay. But believe it or not, it's not big enough <laughs> because <laughs> only embrace 10 states right. out of the 20, I'm sorry, 27 states that historically and traditionally yeah. and culturally have agave spirits. Right, right. So right from there, we start to, we have a very compromising situation for many producers who are outside of the geopolitical D.O. Right. of Mezcal. yes. I mean, who decide which culture, which region, which community yeah. belongs to the D.O. of Mezcal? We don't know. Who was it? Yeah. Definitely not the producers. 
Of which course. they're supposed to be the first ones to decide these yeah. boundaries. So, uh, suddenly we have most of the people who are proposing these regulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting enough, there are companies, they are, you know, they belong to the global non-boundaries, no, no, right, right, right. They are, they are transnationals mm-hmm. who have an agenda that is based on spreadsheets. Absolutely. Not in cultural. So it's always money. It's always money. It's money. Yeah. And, 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 and God bless them. I mean, they've well, been sure. doing a great job. And yeah. they've, been, they've been putting the tequila and the mezcal categories, they've been bringing to all the corners of the world. Mm-hmm. And thank you. Yeah. But why we have to sacrifice or left out mm-hmm. of these denominations of origin, um, these producers that they've been there for centuries. Right. Um, no, that's just, that's, I, I is don't it, think. Is it, is it in, in any way prejudicial is, or even to a point like racial? I don't think it's racial. It's I, money. I think it's economical. Yeah. And, and I think it's, uh, there is issues. Uh, there are, I have to admit that part of the, part of the intentions of this norm in a very light way. Yeah. And they have a, a, a foundation. They, they, they agree. Right. There is a lot of camouflage spirits. I see. There is a lot of products that they claim to be agave spirits mm-hmm. that they not. Right. And they take advantage of the popularity of the agave, the legitimate agave spirits. Yeah. Definitely. But we know who they are. Yeah. So we are trying to solve an issue that is not going to be solved with number 199. I mean, we are shooting, you know, we are dropping an atomic bomb to solve one issue that the, you can fix it right. with diplomacy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But so talking is we, so, we, you know, we are so taking time. extreme measurements to try to solve that issue. Mm. So, what we can do in order to solve those issues that are affecting big companies, we have to find solutions. We have to incorporate all the people that is affected by this. Mm-hmm. What we can do to protect these small producers and to help that social economical develop that they desperately need, right. we have to sit and talk to the experts. We have to sit and include in the conversation these small producers. So there is issues, right. but we don't have the solutions that make sense for everybody. It's not over yet though, right? So with 199, like th- this will not be the last piece of the conversation. No, no, no. I mean, it was no 186 that yeah. it was the, uh, the, the first uh, attempt to, to, you know, Appropriate the word agave. Right. That that's the main issue that is being disputed. So it's here. gonna it's gonna inevitably go back. It's like many of the United States kind of the political issues that we have, whether it's like pro-choice, like this thing that people go, they argue both ways, and it's been like that for decades. But do you see a final chapter to this ever? I think one of the uh, probably best 
agreements or best solutions that we can find is to start to protect small producers. Regulate them, but not in a way that we impose regulations. Let's regulate them in a way that we can start to have some, you know, regulations sure, and, sure. And, and dictate, you know, parameters of quality, you know, areas of uh, develop. And, and, and I mean, there is a lot of room to regulate these people. And I don't think regulate necessarily has to have a negative connotation when right. you talk to ancestral and artisanal spirits. There is room for regulation. Yeah, absolutely. As long as you include the producers in those regulations. Right. We cannot regulate from the outside. We cannot impose regulations to people without that collaborating. Without right. without yeah. inclusion. Yeah. So I think that, you know, regulated the industry, but the number one player in these regulations, he has to be the producer himself. Yeah. Then we had to bring the experts. We had to bring the academics. They have an objective. Right, right. But not an interest, a special interest. Mm-hmm. Let the sociologists, the historians, the chemists, the biologists help us to understand different alternatives that we have from a scientific perspective. Right. How we can help these categories of agave spirits to growth in a sustainable, protect mm-hmm. the culture, the traditions, but also generate better opportunities for them to develop yeah so there is complicated i mean uh, this is going to be years it's going to be going on for a while right but as long as we don't have a good foundation and regulations for these ancestral and beautiful producers yeah uh we're going to be exposed we're going to they're going to be exposed and um that's That's my bigger sphere yeah you know, not to be able to generate regulations that make sense mm-hmm. to them and to us and to everybody, right. but especially to them. Yeah. So, you know, NOM 199, uh, hopefully we don't know yet, it's up in the air. It, there is not a veredict yet okay. from the government. Yeah. We are waiting any time, any yeah, day yeah. now. Uh, I'm not that optimistic. No. But let's say if it passed, we're going to have to fight some more. We have to fight it. You know, there is legal avenues that right. we will do it. So it's not that that's the thing that I think that's most important to communicate here is that, yeah, this may be a little bit of a defeat, but that does not mean we can't uh, keep. No, we had to appeal. We had to appeal, and it's going to be a legal process. Yeah. But I think the most important appealing and the most important actions that we can take yeah. is to find who is responsible, who's behind this, uh, my opinion, evil mm-hmm. propositions. Mm-hmm. Um, or greedy, at least. Yeah. Um, I personally will, the brands that I know that are behind these initiatives, mm-hmm. they're going to be out of my restaurant. Good. I'm not going to support brands. You know, I don't support two big companies who are already signed this number 99 which i usually don't mention brands where they are the and i don't but you will figure out who they are mm-hmm. in number 99 you had the two bigger beer producers in mexico who are international conglomerates right right those beers they don't they don't they don't they're not available in my restaurant for the last three years we stopped selling all this conventional mexican 
shit. Right, right. I'm sorry. No, Excuse. I don't care. You can say whatever. <laughs> you can uh, say whatever you. And um, <laughs> and it's been, you know, a very obvious, you know, big companies yeah. who are in the in the business of making money, some sort of uh, agave spirit that I sometimes they call tequila. Yeah. Um, and they, but most of them, they are already out of my restaurant. But I will be probably getting a little bit more vocal and and expose who was involved yeah. in this number ninety nine. And once and the verdicts will, out, I think it's important and, to do that. And, right? I, and I will leave up to you, the consumers, yeah, yeah, uh, to react to that. To use you, our you, money you, positively. You continue to support those people behind these horrible uh, uh, propositions. Yeah. And support the little guys. Insult to the yeah. culture too. I mean, there's a so, lot. It's a lot of things. Yeah. It's really, really bad. Well, it's good. So, uh, massive issue. It's you know, man. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. And that's the thing. Is like some people, some personalities seem like they come out of nowhere. They're mm-hmm. immediately enigmatic and dynamic. But you've mm-hmm. had an amazing heads down working your way through this industry for a long, long time. And you are doing that right now. You were in Houston yesterday and today. You're in Austin today, and then tomorrow you're driving down with John, I guess, right to Dallas. Dallas, yeah. Where well, you guys you know, Texas, you guys here in Texas are are, are crucial for you know the continued growth of yeah. uh, these categories. I mean, Texas has always been so closely related in historical and cultural aspect to Mexico. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. It's kind of like a third country between two countries. You I know, know right? Uh, Food-wise, sure. spirit-wise. Well, so. We reap those benefits for sure. Yeah, so, a lot of access. Uh, I think Texas is uh, one of the very, very, very important markets yeah. who are going to, who are setting up the direction of the uh, the trends on the uh, agave spirits. Yeah. So it's, it's always a pleasure for me to be in Texas and to be able to work with people they are extremely open and sensitive to that's right to the to the good and the bad yeah uh, that surround we're good the listeners and, and 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 very proactive yeah, and, oh yeah you know and you guys you you guys and, you know California market is also very interesting because I mean it's people who really stand on what they say yeah. you know it's it's very interesting I mean it's it's um. The industry in our side, you know, in in in, in the consumer side, mm-hmm. in the bartender side, is is getting uh, challenge, and um, you know we have the tequila category, especially more the mezcal, the more than the mezcal. Yeah, I mean we get in all these temptations all the time. I mean I see huge incentives by brands who are. You know, trying to find a place in the market, in the niche of tequila. Um, and, and, you know, they're very sensitive, very sensitive topics. Yeah. And I think we have to talk about it. You know, the yeah, I was talking with John today, yeah. and a couple of the places that we visit, and uh, try to understand these, you know, incentives, uh, programs, you know, they are throwing out there by by big brands. Right. Uh, what are the consequences of that? What is why we are now taking putting the category of one hundred percent tequila 
on such a low price range. Yeah. Uh, that's bringing down the entire category, and 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 that just is a fact. It's yeah. a reality. It's, that's it's, right. You know, we cannot continue to ignore, and uh, that's that's an area that I, there's a lot of work to do. We had to we had to start to look out for the small brands, support brands who are continue to do an ethical job, uh, brands who are transparent, mm. brands who are still anchor in the you know very dignified practices yeah. of the category who that that is challenging in that aspect right. so well it, ta- it takes people like yourself it takes people like john uh, to push that forward you know, you know i mean look at the look at the portfolio that john has oh I it's mean, insane it's, it's a portfolio that is incredible it's an all-star uh, team but 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 you know it's it's a portfolio yeah. that uh that is more and more challenge for yeah. for a portfolio like that that is bringing as expressions and, and producers they are you know the best on the industry mm. but um do you see there is less and less room for for That's those right. for brands like that because um bars are saturated with tequilas they are extremely attractive price wise right yeah so you know, I, I mean, we have to be very, uh, and it's not about point fingers and who's doing the right thing or the wrong thing. I think it's been slowly, it's been you know these incentives and these drop prices are being you know getting into our programs, mm-hmm. our bar programs that you know suddenly we look now and it's just like, man, you are paying. 12 bucks That's for crazy. a liter of tequila. Yeah, it's crazy. But you're still selling your cocktails for, for 15 bucks. 12 15 bucks. bucks. Yeah. So, you know, your margins, there is, there is, there is, you know, a borderline. Yeah. Between well, they're exploiting the customer at that point, you know. But, you know, again, it's not like, it's, it's, it's just pretty much looking ourselves on the mirror. Yeah. And say, you know, if we really love these categories, we have to take care of this category. And we right. have to, again, have balance. Yeah. There is enough room for those very inexpensive tequilas, right? And remember, it's a v- agriculture product that is impossible to pay that low of a money, yeah, of a price for a product like a spirit like tequila mm-hmm. or mezcal, yeah. So we had to just talk to ourselves and 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 really. If we really want to preserve the category standards and to maintain some producers who are doing the best they can yeah. to bring these incredible spirits, we had to start to analyze ourselves and how to we make decisions yeah. and when we support, we incorporate brands in our program. You know, in Philadelphia, we used to start the TNT program that is honoring the producers were doing the right thing, mm-hmm. you know, because one thing is come and travel through the United States and people saying, you know, you know, clap you on the shoulder and, you know, you're doing such a great things, but you come back a year later and the same bottle is on the shelf, you know. Yes, yeah, so not dusty, actually. You know, it's like, they, they love what you do, but, you know, or producers, you know, who are doing, you know, I, 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 I look myself in the mirror Mm-hmm. And I have brands in my bar, 
who are deserve to be pouring more often yeah to be part of our cocktail program and to make volume to move volumes with them so I don't think that the bars or the restaurants have to pay for those programs. I think if you just take the time to explain the, cost, the customers the value of those brands, and that you're going to charge an extra, little extra, but you're going to create an incredible cocktail. Yeah. The people will pay for it. I think so. Know? So, you know, it's good. No, it's a good fight. And, you know, David, thanks so much for sitting down and carving some time out to chat with me. I think that Texas loves you. I think Texas supports you. And it is a big slash influential epicenter of cocktail con- culture here in Texas. We're talking about Houston, Bobby, whether you're talking about Austin with Justin and Chris Bostic and stuff. We're doing what we can and we're here to support you. And you're doing a great job, guys. I mean, you're, you're I really, again, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of of the culture yeah. and the and the amigos that the, the category take, take has here in Philadelphia. It's yeah. good, man. I mean, here in Texas. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, I definitely understand. I would just. I have a. Com- I have a, a one complaint. Okay. Yeah. What's that? Can you do me a favor? Probably. And, and, and maybe, well, maybe I don't know. Yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah. Can you can you have a very serious conversation with this bunch of bats that live under the bridge <laughs> right here on the river next to us because. We we <laughs> we don't we we're waiting for them today, yeah. and they decide not to go out for dinner. <laughs> Ever since they got that movie deal, they're not showing their faces anymore. I mean, you know, I, that was a big disappointment. You know, it's, I think that's so funny. <laughs> Wait, I mean, no better way to finish some time in Austin though than see the bats, or don't, or think about. Because now you're going to want to see him. Now you're going to yearn well, it's to been, see him. It's been about ten years for me <laughs> to travel to Austin, working in Austin. Yeah. And I still don't see the bats. <laughs> and today it was very exciting. Yeah. We were running and, and we get right on the bridge. Best and, position. You can see them. And then all of a and, sudden they yeah, no shows. Those guys, come on. They're getting too full of themselves, David. Come on. Yeah, I think so. Is, you know, we're doing this bat-friendly program, but the, the, the bats were not friendly to us today. <laughs> <laughs> see? It's about reciprocity again. Well, I hope you have a very fruitful series of discussions in Dallas and get to joke and nerd out with John Garrett, of which I told him we'd mention his name at least 20-something times. We've only about five. That's good. John Garrett, John Garrett, John Garrett, John Garrett, John Garrett. There we go. We're about there now. He's the man. He is the man. Just just look at his trajectory on the spirits world. Oh, yeah. And uh, he he literally uh, built... Uh, a, a very strong foundation on the agave spirits uh, category. That's right, and, and he's out there every day, busting, you know, busting, doing an incredible job. Yeah, and, and, and great partners and, for both of us. I, I I have the greatest you know admiration and respect for the guy. Yeah, who helped me grow in in, in the way we've been growing in this market. So it's that, amazing. That, yeah. We're among good company, David. And really Matt like and Kale and Kale, all the, all those guys. guys are, are, he put together not just an amazing portfolio. Good team. He, he put together an amazing team. So, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, it's going to be a good year for us both, I hope. It is. Enjoy Dallas, man. Thanks so much oh, for chatting. I will. Thank, Thank you. you, man. Salud. Well, there we have it. The very soothing voice of the legend David Suro of Siembra Spirits. 
the Tequila Interchange Project, and Tequila's in Philadelphia. Great to hear about how he learned so much from people really willing to share their experiences and share their education about agave from what was at one point something that was probably very nebulous and hard to find information. It is now shared immensely through the internet and the amount of agave spirits is just proliferating. There's so much new stuff coming into market. So it's great to talk to David and get his perspective on when the industry kind of started to emerge, how he introduced wonderful spirits via Siembra Spirits. And it's always cool to talk about John Garrett, Kale, and Matt with Victory Distribution. Our brothers in arms here in Texas, and they're doing the Lord's work, even though I'm not a religious person. So David Searle, thank you so much. I hope that people enjoy this chat as much as I did. Just sitting in a hotel room with you and feeling the knowledge, feeling the legendary persona. It was quite lovely. So thanks everybody for listening to Show to V. No matter which episode of House you're on on Netflix, again, with the binge watching, or if you wonder how they're going to wrap up in an hour and a half, all of those loose ends in the night of on HBO this Sunday, please keep dancing.